alone my hope is found greet each and every one this morning glad to assemble together again in the house of God Sunday morning morning of the resurrection hallelujah and he's raised in us the power of the resurrection is alive today just want to greet those that have joined us in the unseen congregation online God bless you richly let's sing this together Christ alone, I hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this all the ground, burned through the fiercest drought.
Could we sing down from his glory, every living story? Are you thankful that he holds our lives in the palm of his hand? No power of hell and no scheme of man can ever take us out of there. Amen. Glory to his name. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger, his own.
sing that this morning. That would be wonderful. It's just been going through my mind since Wednesday service. Change my heart, oh God.
just stand quietly in your presence, Lord, seeking your face, O oh God. Have your way, Lord. Have your way this morning, Father. Move in our midst, O oh God, in a mighty way, Father. Raise us higher in thee, Lord. Increase our faith, O oh God. Make us more like you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence here this morning, Lord. We appreciate it so much, Father. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Murphy to come and pray with us this morning and have a few prayer requests to read out. One from a, a sister, a believer in Whitehorse who has a sister in Lionsgate Hospital. Her name is Rita Tazika, I believe, and she's in ICU at the Lionsgate with uh, serious problems. She needs healing. She also needs salvation. She just called uh, Brother Tim, I believe, to remember that need in prayer. So I'm going to remember that before the Lord this morning and just also want to remember our sister Cheryl Goss who's um, in very serious condition she's going to have uh, another surgery on Tuesday she's just come through one I believe she's going to have another one and uh, she's currently under a ventilator so we just want to remember our sister in prayer and uh, just continue to remember brother Paul Neighbor and um, sister Eleanor Drake sister Bev Charman just the different needs in our midst, and brothers are going to take up the offering after we pray. So, Brother Murphy, why don't you come? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, first we want to pray to you. Let us be like me, like you, Lord. Lord, may we reflect it at the image of a God. Lord, that each service is a such a precious, precious privilege that we can come to hear the word so the word can molding us so the Lord yourself can shaping us Lord we don't want to be like the world we don't even want to be like each other but Lord we want to be like you so Lord this is one more chance that we can be shaped and molded like Jesus Christ this is one more chance that we can cry once more Lord that this morning use your servant as they preach the word that word started shaping in us Lord, if there's anything that doesn't like you, Lord, I made a word that are coming forth to shape those things out of the way. Lord, I chiseled it out of the way so that we don't reflect anything else but only reflect Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that we live in the dark, darkest age. But Lord, is in this type of time, the light becomes so precious. The light can shine so bright. We pray that the God of peace that come to each other of our heart and speak peace to us, Lord. And to know that we have received you. To know that we have provided a place for our dear Lord to dwell inside of us. So that you can live your own life out. It's not that we're living in our life, but you live through this vessel. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we remember there's many needs that are in this uh, local body here. There's many needs that uh, probably not even be spoken out. But Lord, you know every one of them. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that you go to 
the Lions Gate Hospital there at our dear sister from White Horse, and she got a face enough to pin down this uh, prayer request for her sister, Lord, for her relative. We, we don't know exactly the situation that she's at, but Lord, we know she's in a desperate need, Lord. We know that she's in a desperate need of a physical body, but even above that, there's a more desperate need that a soul that needs to be saved. So, Lord, we know that you're the God that are doing a miracle, that it performs as wonders, that far beyond that our own, our mind can imagine. So, Lord, I just pray, let the Holy Spirit, what we can feel here, to feel the presence of here. Lord, may you just share that presence into that little hospital room. May the strange presence of a God just start to dealing with the soul of that person, Lord. If there is a seed in there, may that seed rise it up to responding to that call of God. Lord, for the different physical need of dear sister Bev, our brother Milko, and the different one, our sister, dear sister Eleanor, our brother Paul neighbor, Lord, all is in need that we haven't been upholding before you day in and day out. Lord, we want to see the result, not for our own glory, but Lord, for your glory. Lord, sickness cannot appraise you, Lord. A sick person, when they lay on the bed, when the devil treading on them, when the devils are torturing on them, Lord, you don't get a joy from them. But how much joy you will get from when we raise up our face and lift out our face to look up to our Lord and see the sick person rise up from the bed and coming to the congregation and give glory to God and say, praise God, I'm healed. And praise God because the Lord has said, by your stripe that we were healed. What a joy you would get from that. What a joy that a congregation would get from that, Lord. To see the weak person become a strong. To, to see the sick person can rise it up and lift up their hand and give glory to God. How much joy that you would get from that. So, Lord, for that sake, we pray to get a sick person out of their bed. For our sister Cheryl God, Lord, she has been serving you. She has been with her heart to give the, to the is a sincere heart to love you to serve you but Lord and now she's in a desperate need I pray that the presence of a God that we ever experience it here and then go there too Lord when you share your presence there it doesn't make your presence even lesser one bit because the Lord if you can curse a tree and may use your power to let a dead little fish come back to life Lord surely when your daughter getting sick and in a desperate need Lord you can go there to raise her up, Lord. We don't have to make the prayer complicated, but Lord, just by faith to believe your word, by your stripe, that she's a healed, Lord. You said that you're the Jehovah God that heals all our diseases. So Lord, would you go to the emergency when a doctor have nothing to do and don't come to the wit's end. Lord, it will be the starting point of the miracle working God started working. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we believe you, Lord. We have heard so many services. We have heard the marvelous service on the Wednesday. Know the death has been paid. Know that we're God that has know every need of your children. So, Lord, fulfill your word, Lord, to confirm your word. And this morning, 
as your servant standing behind a pulpit. Lord, I pray once more, anoint to Brother Michael, Lord. We love this man of God. You have done the great thing that in his life. So, Lord, as he dedicated himself, Lord, each one of us here, we dedicate ourselves. Lord, we forget all everything that easy to be said at us. Anything that's bothered us, Lord, we put it aside. That we only have one need. We want you more, Lord. Lord, would you speak to us? And we commit ourselves to you. Let the Holy Spirit stir the heart of us cold. Let the Holy Spirit dealing with the backslider. Let the Holy Ghost go into each corner. Take away all the aprons that are of the fig leaves. Lord, let us facing you face to face so that you can shine your light upon us and let a word be heard in your children's ear. We thank you, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Murphy. Have your seats while they take up the offering. and We'll sing uh, Faithful One So Unchanging. We'll have our sister Precious come and minister us in song this morning right after we sing this chorus. Oh, faithful one so unchanging Hey my rock of peace, O oh Lord of all, I depend on you. I call out to you again and again. I call out to you again and again.
Sister Precious, we sure appreciate that this morning. Great is his faithfulness. We're going to ask uh, Brother Ebia here somewhere. There he is.
Brother EBA and the choir are going to come up and sing what they sang at watch night. So while they're coming, let's sing, I'm amazed that he loves me. Oh, I'm amazed that you love me. Lord, you have done it again, Jesus, in your special way, what was impossible, you made possible, Jesus, sing it one more time, Jesus, you have done it again. 
Jesus EA. Nobody really told you what that is, but that means, oh, thank you, Sean. I didn't hear you in the back study because you didn't turn your microphone on. But just so I know that you know, it's Jesus victorious. Amen. We can sing that because he's our victory. Amen. Let's sing that this morning with him. Jesus EA. You have done it again. Jesus EA. since watch tonight. Amen. Thank you, brother EBA. What the lawyers couldn't do, God did for you, didn't he? Amen. We know about this in the prayer meeting just not too long ago. So what the doctors cannot do, God do for you. Amen. That's our God. God bless you this morning. Happy to be here. Amen. Happy to be here. There we are. Amen. God bless you. Just before we go to the word this morning and the different... Brothers are just is taking down the mics. Just uh, wanted to announce, I know it, a couple questions came over the last uh, few days. Are we having camp? <laughs> Has it been announced? Yes, we're having camp. Have no fear. <clears throat> camp is February 15, the uh, Thursday night, 
Leap to the 18th is the, uh, the weekend there. And we'll be having our winter camp for the assembly. And the believers here, Brother Andrew Glover, will be coming to, to speak uh, for us. We've enjoyed him the last couple of years. And we've had such a time. And I'm just looking forward to another wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Brother Andrew is such a solid... Uh, I know he's, you know he's young, but man, he's a powerhouse. And uh, I just uh, love to stand and listen and, and rejoice in what the Lord has done and does through him and how he spoke to the congregation. How many last winter camp was moved under the spirit of the Lord. Amen. I surely was. Amen. So we're looking forward to that this coming February in the next, oh my goodness, few short days. So we'll be looking for counselors and some help and such. So we'll be letting that out. And please, when registration comes out, hit the button real quick. Amen. Also, just to give a little bit uh, while we're on the camp, note, uh, summer camp, Brother Tom spoke with Brother Ron Spencer and Brother Andrew Spencer, and they'll be, they've agreed to come for a uh, summer camp. So we've got, uh, we've got quite a year already, huh? <laughs> yeah, so we can be praying about that even now and remembering the, uh, these moments that we have. It's a special place the camp has been for our congregation. And uh, the Lord's just been so gracious to bless us with his presence there. Uh, tomorrow is a prayer meeting for the brothers. Just uh, back to our schedule a little bit. And next Monday will be a family prayer meeting. And so that's Monday, I believe the 15th will be the family prayer meeting as well. And we'll try and be a little bit, we're going to put a bit of a, maybe a schedule together for that. It doesn't really, isn't really convenient to name the first Monday of the month. It just shifts with holidays. So maybe we'll put some dates out just so we're not, so everybody can be aware of that and preparing. And just one other mention, I know Watch Night's not online. I've had different emails from near and abroad. Where's Watch Night? It's coming. We just had a little bit of some little fixes on some of the audio, and we're just uh, going to put that online this week. Uh, the pressure, yes, is on me. It's coming. I uh, don't need to email me. It'll be there soon. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, I have a bit of a different subject this morning, maybe something a little simple. We'll just sing a song, Brother Ben, uh, just sweetly as we turn to the word. Remember me, Almighty One. It's a... Uh, what I desire this morning. Maybe that's your heart's desire. Maybe lift your heart, your hand up to him as we just sing and we just turn to the word. Remember me, Almighty sanctuary we, we call Cloverdale Bible Way. Lord, but in, present in these pews and present, Lord, may be connected on an internet line is, Lord, your sons and your daughters, they have needs, Lord, they have burdens, they carry. And Lord, our prayer this morning is that you'd remember us, Lord. Lord, surely there's many that reach out in prayer and they Lord, are looking for your attention. Lord, maybe for just this moment here, 
you'd turn your attention to this little congregation this morning. And you'd speak to your people. You'd minister to them, Lord. Draw us, Lord Jesus, into your presence. Lord, and we would leave this meeting, this encounter with the supernatural this morning, a very different people. Because, Lord, we come in contact with the Almighty One. So we dedicate this service, Lord. We dedicate the preaching, Lord, the hearers that would sit and listen, Lord. We, we just give ourselves over to you now this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. And you can turn to your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel. Thank you, musicians. Brother Tom greets you this morning. They've slipped a little break. They agreed you wanted to be sure to greet you this morning. Let you know they're thinking of you. Remembering you this morning, maybe even connected. 1 Samuel 17, very, very familiar chapter of Scripture. I would imagine I'm not, again, as Brother Jean said, I'm not preaching anything you don't know. <laughs> that's for certain this morning. And uh, sometimes you rest and you say, my Lord, that's just a, such a simple subject you have laid on my heart, you know. But uh, I'll leave, the, I guess, the deeper things to, to other preachers here. I'll just hit the, the simple <laughs> this morning. I'm going to take a subject maybe I was, I told the brothers I, I was just going to title it The Enemy's Sword, but I think actually what I really wanted to title it was, And the Forges of Hell Went Silent. But uh, that was a long title, so I'll just leave that for you. The internet can see The Enemy's Sword, you can hear, And the Forges of Hell Went Silent. And if I can get there by the help of the Lord, have a little bit of a maybe an introduction to get to that point, but, and then when we get there, hopefully it's not just a short little bomb that goes off, <laughs> as sometimes it can be, but you just pray, maybe the Lord has something for you this morning, amen. So 1 Samuel 17, really I could read the whole chapter, but it's like 50 something verses long, but so we won't do that for the sake of your legs, and we'll just start uh, somewhere close to, to verse 1 there. We know this is the, the chapter of David. And the Philistines were gathered together their armies to the battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah. And man, that was, that was their land, David's land, Judah there. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And we know then the scripture goes through his helmet, it was brass, and his weight of his coat of mail was 5,000 shekels of brass, and it had sheaves, and it goes through all of the different aspects that Goliath had in his hands, his staff, his spear was like a weaver's beam, and it weighed as such, and his shield had a shield bearer there. In front of him, in verse 8, it continues, he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. Yeah, the devil's a liar. 
But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. <laughs> he was asking more than he bargained for. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Amen. Greatly afraid. So I'm just going to stop there. Maybe we'll turn to Isaiah 54. We'll continue a little bit more in Samuel through the service. But you can turn to Isaiah 54. Fifty-four. We're going to go to verse sixteen. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment shalt thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Amen. Lord, bless the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. I have created the smith that bloweth the coals of the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument. I have created the waster to destroy Therefore, if he's allowed that, he's created that. Therefore, he knows exactly what that, the extent of what that weapon or that destroyer can do. And therefore, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. You know, here we are at the beginning of January 2024. You know, our first uh, Sunday, I guess, of the year. Well, not really. That was actually... Well, yes, it is indeed the first Sunday of the year. That was 31st last Sunday, wasn't it? So here we are, indeed. You know, we, you know, we kind of count uh, our calendars. We plot our way through the year and we project out our deadlines. We already were looking through the calendar at here at the office and different engagements and trips and you know you're already pushing yourself into May and, and such in June and you're already halfway through the year. And we're looking over at camp in February and into, September, into August and you know each year holds different experiences, maybe different turning points. Uh, you know we plot out our holidays through the year and we plan events with family and friends. We have camps like we just said and we often, often plan these things out, but in reality, they change real quick, <laughs> don't they? Who's ever had a year go completely different direction than they ever intended in January 1, 2023, right? For those of you who are in January 1, 2023, did the year go as you intended? No, but Luis shaking his head, yeah, not even close. I know it, because we have some idea, some expectation, we, we, you know, but life's unfortunately or fortunately full of good surprises and sometimes not so good surprises, and, and so they come up quite unexpected. I think back not too long ago, we had a service here on a Wednesday, I think it was, and, and, uh, and suddenly the doors were shut and the border was shut and we didn't have service the next Sunday, just like that. Happened that way, didn't it? No one expected that in March of 2020. And, uh, and so the unexpected, we had lots, probably a lot of plans for 2020, and, uh, and they all got shuttered quite quickly, and different things come up. You know, the enemy, you know, the enemy is always forming, crafting or devising, 
some plot or plan, I would say. He's already, if you've got plans, if you've, if you've plotted out your calendar and you've already placed some maybe vacation somewhere down the road or some certain circumstances coming, you're planning for it. But I'll tell you this this morning, so is the enemy. The enemy has already put his calendar into action and he's plotted out what his devices are this year. He's already, he's conniving, he's, he's, he's forming an idea or a plan to upset you, to defeat you, to trap you, to mar you, to do something. That's what he's got going on. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to life, right? That's, what, that's really what is happening, though. In reality, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities in high places and powers in high places. And that's what, you know, we, we, it's good to keep our mind on that aspect as we even think ahead in a year that, you know, Satan's already there plotting out what he is planning to do to you. Amen. That's, that's what, he, that's what he's, he's looking to do. And, you know, I, I think... You know, he, he puts a lot of effort. He's had a lot of time to study humanity. You know, we have, we have given 70 years or so, and, and beyond that, three score and, and 10, and beyond that's, you know, a blessing. And, uh, you know, so we humans, we churn, we churn right now over the several hundreds of years, churn around in that cycle. But Satan's been there all the time. So he's had a lot of humans to perfect his work. And if he failed way, way, way back, he goes to the next one. And he's had millions and billions of people to figure things out, and he plots. He says, well, that didn't work there. So he, he handcrafts and, and has his, his forces out to figure out how he can best you in some way. True? True. You know, I can imagine as he worked out his ways, he knew Israel was, you know, he had his, his devices out there. The depths of hell were conniving as he took years to bring Egypt to a certain place of dominion and oppression. And he formed and certain things, allowed Pharaoh and oppressed him in a certain way and, and crafted him in a certain way, certain experiences so that he wouldn't, he wouldn't know Joseph. He disdained Joseph and, and, they, and, and they, he, he fashioned or allowed certain experiences or to, to, to bring certain women to certain wickedness that they were throwing babies in the river during Moses' time, and, and he, he, he forms and he devises so he can bring to a certain place, a certain time, a certain oppression. He does. That's, his, that's what he's, he's bent out doing. And so we, we know that, that, you know, the unexpected can happen. He's out there, and I can imagine David, if we go back to our scripture, David was about on his road, uh, not necessarily the first of a year, but he was out doing just his normal, his normal business with no thought of what was really coming. And uh, here Israel was in war, but he had been told, you know, go and, go and uh, take some bread and some cheese and such to your brothers. And, and maybe he had some different plans that night. He was going to go drop this off, see how they're doing, and he was going to bring back some more to his father. Let them know how they, were, how they were doing. Nothing abnormal. They'd been through some battles before, and, and here we were. And so David was, was, had no idea what was coming ahead of him down the road. He was just leading his little donkey or such with his little cart, with his, his cheeses. But little did he know, the greatest battle he had ever faced was just around the corner. Right? You just, you, you welcome to January 1, 2024, January 7, 24, 2024. But really, you could be walking down the road this, this day, or you've plotted out your, your year a little bit, and here we are, fresh new start. But just around the corner, possibly, could be the biggest glide you ever saw. And here he had his mind, maybe he was thinking about a psalm, and 
And, uh, you know, rehearsing his mind, maybe some of the victories he thought of the lion, you know, that might have come to his mind there as he was walking down the, the road a little bit. And, you know, just, he was just little David tending to the flock. He didn't even, he wasn't even invited out to war there. He just, he was at home tending things. He said, well, I'm just a little housewife. I'm just at home tending certain things or a simple father out doing my work, you know, nothing drastic. But then comes the unexpected and a champion then comes forth as he steps closer to the, to the, uh, to the battle line. And he gets close to the arm and he hears and begins to hear the boast because the scripture says, and David heard them. That's what it says. The words of Goliath were, bo- were boasting forth and, and David heard them. And he finds himself placed in a situation to respond to a certain circumstance. You know, I, I don't really know what uh, David's first thoughts were, but scripture says that he stepped pretty quickly. He said he ran into the army. This was David's first response. So, so David was in a place where he was, he was, he was somewhat ready to, to respond to the situation. He wasn't immediately running and hiding behind the tree. He didn't seek some shelter and be like, whoa, you turn. I'm heading right back to where my dad was because that's just too much for me. He heard a boast of the enemy. He heard him defying the enemies of the, li- the armies of the living God. And, he's, and, and, and it intrigued him and he ran to the army. Think about it. So this is this is day. Like I said, this is not something you, you haven't heard before. This is the story of David, which you've heard since Sunday school. But maybe something in the in the scripture will will just spark uh, something in your heart as as we go through life. Because I can tell you, Goliath's around the corner. It just is what it is. But Abraham said, "I mean, like I said, I'm going to take a little bit of a roundabout way to get to where I want to go, and we'll see how the Lord leads." But but Abraham said, "David was called." By election. David knew God was with him. David knew that he had a future. David was anointed. We know this. So David could almost walk, if I could put it this way, like he was invincible. <laughs> little bit, couldn't he? Because he, he knew he had, God had placed him in, in a certain position for a certain time, and he hadn't got there yet. So if he was anointed for service for, to be a king, and he wasn't king, nothing could really stop him from getting there. Amen. Nothing could stop him from getting there. So David, I don't know whether he thought about it or not, but he sure acted that because he ran to the army to figure out what was going on, and then he started to converse with them, what, what really is happening here. And Brother Branham says he was elected, he was called, he was anointed, and placed. Amen. He says, and he talks about, you know, God called from the, elected by God, called from the sheep herding to be king, positionally placed. He says, all right, there you are called. He said, are you David? He said, are you a David? I posed the question to you this morning. Are you a David? You can hold that in your heart. You know, and I was thinking about this as we just go into the the subject a little, you know, there's no way, and this is just me, I know there's no, really no way to be one of those elected, called, anointed, and placed. You know, you, you can't get one without the other, if I could say it that way. You know, if you are anointed, you had to been called and, and, and elected. If you're called and he elected you, if you're placed in, in your position, all the other ones have had to come, come, to, come to be. And Brother Branham says, watch this master teacher, Paul. And I, I, this morning, if I could just knock <laughs> but Abraham says, knock all, uh, out all the idea of falling away out. I'm going I'm to just quote that here in a second. But I wanted to just speak. We can sometimes, uh, we've heard you know, who we are and who we, who, what our position is. And, and we can hear that and we can hear that. And, and we, yeah, yeah, we are. But you have to accept it, actually. 
You know, you can hear it all you want. Well, I'm the bride of Jesus Christ, and, and I'm just maybe jumping the gun a little bit. But you can hear who your position is and who, God, who, who you're being. You're a son and daughter of God, and you have the authority under the power of God's word and such and such. But you actually have to accept it. David could be called and told who he was all the time. You're anointed, David, and you, you've, been, you've been chosen for this time. You've been elected for this time. But if he didn't accept who he was, he would be nothing. He could sit on his little rock out there with the sheep, and he could sit there with his staff and twiddle his little sling. But until he accepted who he was and walked in it, he would never have been king. Amen. But Abraham says, watch this. The first thing he does, master, teacher, Paul, he says, is knock out all the idea of falling away. Knock out all the idea ever of being a Christian day and tomorrow I'm gone. And the next day, God condemned me and the next day I'm back again. He said, that's nonsense. Now this, he said, the book is not addressed to evangelistic teaching, evangelist sermons. We always, I don't touch it on these fields, he says. He says, but he goes, those that are called and preserved and are filled and are set aside are in, and are in the Holy Spirit Already in Canaan's land, he's telling them the first thing, get it out of your mind that you're going to get lost and you're going to do this and you're scared of this. Don't be scared of nothing. For he's trying to tell you where you're at, who you are, and how you're standing. Amen. Amen. And so elected, David, but Abraham says was elected. Going to election, we know, and I'm going to skim over some of these, these, these words as we just go forward. Before the foundation of the world, God didn't run a random name generator. You know, hit the button and just say, John Charman. Ah, yeah, John Charman. Good. Next one. Hit the random generator. Richard Drake. Perfect. Put his name in there. That's not how it worked. God knew you. You were in his mind before the foundation of the world. He didn't just run or pick your name haphazardly. You were part of him. He knew you all the way into the eternities. He had your name. You were elected. Amen. If you were called, you had to be elected before you could be called. And Brother Brown says, but a long time ago, before the world ever had a foundation, God, through his eternal grace, he looked down by foreknowledge and seen you and I. He knew what age we'd live in. He knew what we'd be. Therefore, by election, he chose us before the foundation of the world to be with him without spot. Amen. Oh, Brother Michael, I've heard that so many times. Well, maybe instead this morning it's I've heard, but now I see. <laughs> maybe a little, maybe for one, amen? You know, a, a different commentator, he said, you know, the author of election is also the author of all knowledge. He's not limited by the element of time. The concept and measurement of time is simply and merely for man's accommodation. Man being finite in his comprehension, God does not need to wait until someone believes to write his name on the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> God didn't have to wait for you to believe. Yeah, finally, okay, God, put him down there. No, he knew long before all the eternities and before the world ever existed that you would believe, therefore he elected you. Amen. Amen. He said it's impossible for him to make a mistake and write someone's name in the book of life from the beginning of the world and then for him to find out that he's erred. Oh, my goodness, he just came to be it. He's, he's disbelieving. He's not even believing. No, no, that's not the case. If you had it in you to believe, he had elected you and put that in you to believe. If God could err, he's no longer God. Abraham says, and I'll be reading some quotes here through the morning. No man can come to me except that my father draws him first. 
And all that's in the Father, all that the Father have given me will come to me. He said, that's the reason you just preach the gospel in its plainness. Yet the elected sheep of God will hear that and catch it right quick. And they'll believe that the baptism of the Holy Ghost, where others will walk away and make fun of it because they were elected to hear it. Amen. He continued, he said, he didn't say, now I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to send you to hell, and I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to send you to hell. He said, that's not how, God, that wasn't God's idea. He wanted all of us to come to heaven, but being God, he foreknew who would come and who would not come. If he didn't know that, he wouldn't be God. If God didn't know who was going to believe and who wasn't going to believe, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be God. That's why you can say, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated, because he knew Esau would despise the birthright. So therefore, he loved Jacob and hated Esau, because he knew. He says that clears up Romans 9 and 8 and such. He said that the election of God might stand sure, as he quotes Esau and Jacob. He said because he knew his foreknowledge let him know that Esau was nothing but a shyster anyhow. He says, see, his foreknowledge lets him know if he didn't know the end from the beginning, then he wasn't God. Amen. So you're elected. David was elected long before the time even began. And so God knew that David would follow his pathways. God knew this. He knew his heart would yearn for him. You just need to read the Psalms to find out how much David actually yearned for God. As the deer or the heart panteth after the water brook, so does my soul longeth after you. And so God wasn't, didn't make a mistake. He didn't see, he didn't, he didn't uh, you know, wonder or, or was hoping or biting his nails on whether David was going to, to, uh, you know, to do what he desired. God had elected him, and God has elected you. And in that election then, if he's elected you, then he's bound or he's duty bound to call because if he's elected you he's got to give something to bring you into his sheepfold if i could say it like that and so then god by his foreknowledge there had to be something to go forth to spur the seed that was put inside of you amen he said that was god's bit that's god's business therefore he's going to provide a call to vindicate his election Let me just say that again. If he elected you, if he foreknew you and knew that you would respond to a call, he had to give a call to vindicate that his election was truth. Think about it. He actually had to handcraft, handcraft how each one of you would be called. Because each one of you has a certain person that spoke to you. We know a message came forth. We know through this age in Laodicea, we know Malachi 4 has come. But he, that message went out and it sparked a seed. And it called and beckoned one and rose up something in because that person was elected. And then he would speak to another. He would speak to another. God would form and allow this one to go through this circumstance, that circumstance, this job, fired from this job, laid off from this job, going to this job, and suddenly come across pathways with one of you so that you would hear a call handcrafted call you think my god cares he surely cares because you're vindicating his election paul's day my goodness all the way back think through peter and irenaeus and polycarp and all the different aspects if i could say maybe the god forged a way to call you through the forging of trials and different fires of circumstances, one life merging with another, even combining certain DNAs with DNA as a, as a man and a woman would, would marry generation after generation to come to a place to this specific time to reach a specific vessel. Don't belittle the call. 
that God gave you to be an Oliver, to be wherever, Mark, Brother Mark Matul, whoever to speak to you, Brother Tim. That was God's call going up because he elected you so that he then had to, he was duty bound to then put out someone or culture or create or craft someone to be at the right spot at the right time because that's my seed and I need to reach them. Brother Bram says, there you are. He knowed where he was standing. Speaking to David, he was a man of faith. He believed God. God was in him. He knew he was anointed. And you know the same thing. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sister Margaret. You're Christians. And if God hadn't elected you to be Christian, you would not be a Christian. Period. It's God's choice, not yours. No man seeks God. No man seeks God at any time. You haven't sought God, but God has sought you. It wasn't you calling for God. It was God calling for you. Amen. He said, and then when God called you, it showed he elected you. Amen. When he called you, it showed he elected you. When you responded to it, he said, oh, that's what my soul has been longing for. Everything I've ever craved. I've been hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It proves his election. The fact that you're sitting here and that you're yearning for more and your heart craves after the, after the word of God like a deer pants for the water brook proves his election in your life. If I could say, then why wonder and doubt who you are? That alone should prove to you that you're sons and daughters of God. Brother Brown says, you accepted the call. My sheep know my voice because they were elected. A responding unit was deposited into the sheep. <laughs> Amen. It's because the sheep knows the voice of their shepherd. You know the voice of your shepherd. Like I said, this is basic stuff. But maybe this morning, it'll something. I just want to get to a point where you can actually respond. Or you can actually come to, the, to, to maybe I pray the revelation. That you are who the word says you are. And you can actually accept it this morning. And then drop down on the benefits of the word. My, a responding unit placed into the sheep to recognize the voice that was calling. My, why, why doesn't God just, you know, why all of heaven rejoices? Think about it. The scripture says, likewise, I say unto you, this is Christ speaking. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Think about it, just waiting. This just maybe even in this service, there's a sinner present that's maybe listening or sitting in the presence of my voice, and they're just when God is just waiting, saying, This is the time. Everything I have allowed all these circumstances to move to this very moment, that they're gonna come under the sound of the gospel of this age, and their hearts are gonna be pricked because I put a little responding voice apparatus in their soul to receive my word. Wait for it, wait for it. It's sparking, and all of heaven starts to rejoice by one. Hallelujah. I'm going to see God pacing the ramparts of glory. My call just hit another one of my elected today. And he has his little tally book. Only ten more to go. Only five more to go. And he's brooding. All over this globe. I was praying yesterday, Lord, for all the different ministers that would have been preparing for the weekend services. I said, Lord, may you just anoint them, unction them, because we're looking. He's brooding. He's trying to call. His voice is trying to find. Where's the last one? Oh, is there a big counter in heaven? And it just keeps flipping down. 99. Yes. 
98, all over the world. You don't know, somewhere in Ukraine, a soul just come to an altar and said, I received the gospel of this day. This is the message for the hour. 97, somewhere in China, Brother Caleb's gone out there. Brother David's preaching into some little city somewhere deep in China. 96, 95, 94, 10, 9, 5, 4. Someday there'll be 3, 2, 1. Guess what, folks? We're out of here. Oh, you think heaven's rejoicing? This one here, what a rejoicing. In David's day, Samuel called. And David responded. And this day, a message has gone forth. Another prophet of the prophet of Malachi 4. And we have responded. Amen to the call of this day. And there Samuel took then the horn of oil and he pours it over David. And now the anointing comes. Doesn't stop. Doesn't go election and calling and stop there. That's not where it, it's not where it ends. God, if he elected you, he then calls you. You then respond to him. He then is going to anoint you with the oil of the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you with his spirit, with his life. That, it doesn't just end at the calling part. Amen. And that's what, where David was as the vessel was now being anointed for service. You know, anointing has been used all through scripture. It anoints the vessels and the tabernacle and Aaron and Aaron's sons were anointed for priestly service. But when you anointed a king, then they, they, they became practice in the scriptures to anoint a king. And if something even if something was conveyed or even transferred, even the scripture says Samuel took the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Something was infused into David when the anointing came and something, if I could say, is infused into the called that respond because it's a transfer of a life that God transfers by his spirit into his people. The Spirit of God is imparted or transferred, making him now able to fulfill the office for which he's been called for. God isn't calling you for something and saying, well, figure it out on your own. No. He's going to pour into you and to fill you with what you need, which is his life. Amen. To then accomplish what you're anointed for. And if, that's what's ha- if that happened in a natural action, if that is what transpired as a horn of oil and a physical oil would be poured over, over a David, how much more when a son or daughter of God is anointed by the Holy Ghost himself when he would fill you and, and completely overtake you, how much more prepared are you? Oh, my. And all that God was, Brother Bram says, he poured into Christ. All that Christ was, he poured into the church. He said, in that day you shall know that I'm in the Father, my Father, the Father in me, and I in you, and you in me. See, it's been God all along. His same works. The church is ordained to carry on his work with the same spirit. You couldn't carry on the same work without the same spirit. The same spirit carries on the work. Amen? Like I said, I believe it's just really the need to accept what God has done. Unmerited, undeserved, not our abilities. It's all him. It's all him. You know, and David didn't walk around, if I could say, 
this way. He didn't, I don't think David walked around with some fake humility of such. David knew who he was. David was humble. But David was bold. <laughs> David, David knew. He didn't, I don't believe he walked pretty timid. Because he walked, if we go into scripture, he walked right up into the army, as the scripture says, and, and ran right into it and said, okay, what's, you know, what's going on? What, what's going to happen to the guy that kills this giant? He got right to the point. His intentions were laid right out there. All right, you know, what happens? What kind of reward is there? Well, you don't ask that unless you had an intention to maybe reap the reward. Amen? If you didn't have, he, he ran up there knowing, okay, I have what it takes. God's with me. I don't have, but he's with me. What it takes to take the giant down. So I want to know what's my reward. Amen? And so, here he was now. If, that was, if that's what David if that's how David can act under the anointing of the horn of oil, anointed by a prophet to be king, how much more should we be able to walk boldly in our everyday life knowing who we are? I've been elected. I've been called. I've been anointed for service. How much more should we be able to walk into the face of an enemy, into the face of a situation, and there the devil stands before you, and you walk forward and say, all right, what's the reward for this one? So <laughs> David was doing. But Abraham says the same spirit carries on the work. Scripture, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these, shall, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Do you believe that? Mark 11, and Jesus answered, said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he, hath say, which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Who spoke that? Christ spoke that. He says the church is ordained to carry on his work with the same spirit. I and me and you, you and me and I and you. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelleth in you, then what should you be doing? The same works, the same scripture. Greater shall ye do. Is that what he says? He knowed, but Abraham said he knowed he was talking about. David had God behind him. He knowed the anointing oil was poured on him. Samuel had done it. He knowed he was anointed, so nothing was going to bother him. He says, What's the matter with you, anointed people? God done poured the Holy Ghost oil on you. You're anointed. You got the privilege. Oh, if we could just walk out of these doors just a little bit different this morning. What's the matter? God's done poured the Holy Ghost oil on you. You're anointed for service to do what God's desiring in the last day is to be an overcomer. I'm telling you this right now because you're going to walk out that door and that door and get in that car door and walk off this property in your car and there's a Goliath coming your way and you need to know I was elected before the foundation. He called me and I responded and I am now anointed to take you on, devil. This might be a little bit much for some, but it's the truth nonetheless. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Jesus speaking. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It took an anointing to accomplish those aspects at a supernatural level. It was anointed to preach the gospel. He was anointed to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The anointing poured out upon Jesus Christ as a, as a God prophet. That anointing on him is the same life force that is anointing you. But Brother Bram says some people get the wrong impression of anointing. Here Jesus anointed with the greatest anointing ever to give anyone. He said he entered the temple and read the scripture I just read. He said you think if such anointing was on him that he'd been prophesied 800 years before. The full blessing and anointing of the Lord upon him he would run. We would run all over the building and scream and holler. But he said he laid down the scroll and set down the word. And precious words proceeded from his mouth. That's what he did under the anointing. Let's not get confused on what the anointing is. I know you can get pretty, pretty exercised glass ahead of me. But it was the word of God that he had just spoken. And precious words went out of his mouth. And he said the anointing's not emotions. It's not how loud you can yell. You get behind me devil. I'm coming after you. No, no, I'm sorry. That ain't going to do nothing. He's going to stand there like, excuse me? He said the anointing is supreme power in control. Like knowing exactly what and how. And that's what's here. Think about that. Supreme power in control. It's the word of God, which is the supreme power in control. I would say a vessel that is so yielded that the supreme one can work through. Not you shouting and jumping around and all that. No, no, it's saying, oh Lord, I've been anointed for this time. Now may your word speak forth. David then was placed. He was anointed but Abraham said that he was placed in a position, positionally placed. And I'd say at that exact moment in time, he was in a position to take an enemy down. Ordained, I could say, to overcome in that moment. You know, I'd say, you know, what's, what's, if I could say, what's all the point in all this preaching and all these years of services and all the wonderful promises of God that we could, we could read over and over and over again and all that God in his goodness that he's obtained through the cross of Calvary and we heard on Wednesday of the, the precious blood that was shed for us and, and, and it atones for all mercy that we can obtain. But what, what, is, what is all good? What, what good is all of that if you can't actually just accept, accept it? For what it is, for what he did, for the power that he's given, the, the, I should say the authority that he's given you, if you just don't accept your position. What's the point of all of that? It runs out just useless. It's like God did all of that. He's like, well, I called you and I, I elected you and I anointed you and here you are, but you just can't accept your position and be actually in, under authority of the word of God and do what I'm desiring you to do. David could be all of that. He could have walked up to, up to the army and be like, well, yeah, I don't know, not today. I don't really feel like being in my, I know that's what I've been anointed to do, but I just can't accept it. What would be the point of that? No, God, like I said, you can't have one with the other. Elected, he was called, and he was anointed, and he was placed in a certain position because God knew he was going to act on it. 
You've been placed in a certain time, in a certain age, in a certain moment. He's anointed you for a certain power because he knows you're going to act on it. We sing this song. And I know, uh, you know, I know who we are and what we're raised up for. Praise the Lord. I thought, well, he knows who you are, and he knows what you're raised up for, but do you? <laughs> Maybe somebody hasn't come to that real recognition yet. Yeah, that is who I am. But a, Scripture says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. I've ordained you that you should bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Amen. Scripture. And so when God does the placing, you know, I don't really, you know, man does a lot of placing. I could say even man does a lot of electing. Man does a lot of, even man could ordain. You know, we put presidents in place. We elect them and we place them in, in, in a position as a president and then they go to jail. What good is that? Or they're trying to get him to jail. Or even man, they go and they try to anoint, you know, some cardinal or some whoever, and they put him into a certain place, and then they abuse their office, and they abuse people. What good is that? But I can tell you, when God places, when God elects, when God anoints, when God calls, it's going to be for an eternal purpose. It's not going to wander off and be like, oh, you know, it didn't, didn't end off. off. He went into some disaster somewhere. If God is called, if God is elected, I tell you this morning, saints, stand up and gird your loins. You've been chosen for a purpose. He said, no wonder he could play. This is David. No wonder he could play evil spirits away with his music. He had something to play about. And it come to his heart. And the devil knew that it was from his heart. Think about that. Do you know that you're going to come up here and you sing a special? You can hold this microphone. If the devil knew that David was singing from his heart, he, can, he knows exactly that you're singing from your heart. Oh, he knows. Are you up there for a show? Or are you up there to sing something to, from your heart? Who really cares what anyone else says or thinks or does? It's from your heart to God alone. It's your joy being expressed. It's your worship being expressed. And you know what he did? He said, and he knew that David was elected of God. Think about that. My goodness, the devil knew that that's why the evil spirits had to go. Because it was from his heart and he knew he was elected. He knows you're elected. That's why he tries to tell you you're not. Is that not the simplest one in the book? And there he was. Elected, called, anointed, and positionally already king. He's talking about him playing for Saul positionally already king. If David was positionally already king, but didn't have the crown on, I'd like to know where the anointed, elected and called chosen of God are positionally this morning. If he's positionally king, what if the king of glory, he's already elected you, he's called you, and he's positionally placed you, if I could say, you're already positionally placed as queen. Act like it. I tell you, the queen acts like the queen. All the way down to making sure her bottle of water is exactly what she wants. And it travels with her everywhere it went. She had exactly what she wanted. She was queen. She could, she could say, this is how it's going to be. This is how I want it. This is what's going to happen. Because she had the authority to do so. I'm going to tell you this morning, saints, you have the authority invested in you by the spirit of the living God to stand and overcome in this day. Don't let no devil stomp over your grounds. 
He says, the queen of heaven is the selected bride of Christ. Amen. Is that who you are? Well, I, well, there's a few of you that are. Glory be to Jesus. That's who I am this morning. And I ain't ashamed of it neither. That's who I am. I don't really care. You say, well, that's a pretty big, bold statement. Well, I'm going to say it because that's exactly who I can't take away who I am. I can't apologize. The queen can't be like, I'm so sorry. I'm queen and you're not. I, 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 I really regret that you're a pauper and, 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 and I'm, the, I'm the royalty. I'm so sorry. Sorry. That might have worked one time, but you know what? She carried herself as a queen. Everywhere she went, she walked as a queen. They, they, all of her servants, they shouldn't apologize. I'm so sorry that you have to get breakfast for me every morning. I know I'm queen. I know you're a servant. That's not how she ran. She knew who she was with humility and poise and grace and respect. And, but yet with authority as she walked, she knew this is who I am. Surely that's the daughter, sons and daughters of God this morning. We can walk with who we are, not with this proud arrogance. Well, I'm the queen of heaven. No, no, that's not how it is. But you're walking with authority, living by God's word, saying whatever you say, Lord, that will I do. You are the one that's guiding me. You're leading me. Satan. Branham said, think of this one as we shift a corner. He said, placing a son. The same power that rested in Jesus Christ rests rest in the placed sons in the body of Christ. He says, take him out in a certain place. Have a ceremony of before angels. Place him positionally what he is in the body of Christ. Then that person has the authority. Let me say this. You, if you count me a fanatic from this night on, and I'll say the same thing. You can count me a fanatic from this morning on. That very same thing that I'm speaking of will be done. He says, there will be a power put into the church. And now is coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people till they'll speak the word and it'll create itself right there. Now you're really going to come down to you believer or not. Because you can't swallow half word. You got to swallow all the word. You can't take half a quote. Well, that's a wonderful quote, Brother Michael, you read two pages ago. But that one's a little bit too much for me. No, no, no. The elected are called and respond because it's the very word that they're responding to. Not a portion, but all. He said they'll have a, be a power put in the church. And now is coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people till they'll speak the word. And it'll create itself right there. He said, we haven't seen powers like coming into the church now. I know it for a fact. Say unto this mountain, be moved. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you've said shall come to pass. And you can have what you said. The placing of the church in position where the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost comes into the church. He says, then critics' mouths will be shut. It'll be a short time. Jesus come right off the mountain and we went straight to Calvary. Think about it. That's this time. That's this day. That's this age. And I read that quote. I said, Lord, what's holding you back? So anoint us this morning. Till they'll speak the word and it'll create itself right there. Brother Marco just came to me this morning. He was fellowshipping with, with some people over the weekend. And the sisters believe it was father was in the brother Branham's services he was in the service and there was through the different discernments when he was there and his brother Markham could correct me but he was sitting in his in his seat and he had a short leg 
Shorter leg, Marco. Six, six, eight inches. How, how short do we, yeah, about that. And just by under the word of God, by hearing the word of God preached and believing that it's true, not being called out, not being discerned, not coming up in a prayer line, in his seat, in his seat, the word was going forth. In your seat. Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? He did not die and end his ministry here in 1950s and 60s. God's still the same. He still lives forevermore. He was proving through a prophet that he's alive. I don't need to be proved that he's alive. He is alive now. I've seen, seen it. He's proven it. So do we believe it? And there in his seat, just like somebody here is sitting in their seat, and there his leg. Hallelujah. You say, I'm sitting in my seat here, Brother Michael, and I have a need. Maybe it's a spiritual need where something needs to grow. I don't really know what it could be. But in your very seat, the same God that was there in that meeting is here in this meeting. And that little leg could grow. Sister Rena went, your legs can grow. Call me a fanatic. I just don't care. I believe it. I know it would be incredible to be in a morning service where eyes come wide open and legs become lengthened. Brother Milka starts speaking and singing the glories of God. I know it. I'm waiting for it. But maybe it's in a room somewhere. Sister Rene, as you go home, Brother Evie, maybe. I don't know. I'm waiting for my WhatsApp to light up like a candle and to say, oh my goodness, Brother Evie ain't shouting around. Because I believe this quote right here. You want community church? Go out there and find it. But I want to live in God. We want to be in place. We want to be in a position that we can accept and say, Lord, here we are. We're just empty vessels. We believe you have called us. We've been elected way before, even in the eternities of time we even began. I know that you've anointed us. We're here. We're responding. We're now placed in here. Now let the supreme power take control and now move through this congregation. You know, we don't want to be out of position. We want to be right in position. Out of position is a disaster. It's disaster. And Satan knows if he can just get you out, he's the victor temporarily. God will get you back in line. But you don't want to be doubting your election. don't want to be doubting who you are. You know, Brother Bram says, why well, Satan keeps you caged with the least little doubt in your mind. He keeps you caged. Out of position. Brother Bram says, hold yourself clean to your calling. Stay with God's word. Don't move for nothing. Stay abide. If he give you a job there, he said, even if you're a farmer, farm good. God bless you. Do what you do. He says, help the ministry go forward. If you're a mechanic, be the good mechanic. Amen. Abide just where God calls you. Too many people want to do something else and get out of, out of position. Well, I like what that brother's doing. Or I want to be like that sister there. God called you to be in your position. Stay there. Achan got out of position. Uzziah got out of position. Let's just stay exactly. Unfortunately, too many times out of positions because there's maybe a selfish motive. We don't want to be the Lord. I just want your word to go forth. I want you to live through my life. If it's the smallest thing as the scripture said, I'll be a doormat if I got to be a doormat. 
but it's your doormat. <laughs> Amen. Brother Bram says, now here, he knowed where he was at. David, hallelujah. He said, every David, I asked the question, are you David earlier? He said, every David sitting here tonight, you're positionally in Christ. God has determined or confirmed, I should say, his election, calling, anointing place, and he's elected you, as we've said now multiple times. He said he's placed you in the body of Christ. Each one of you is David's. So we're not clear on that. Who are you? That's right. All right. Where's Goliath? Because that was the next part of the quote. Each one of you are David's. And Brother Bram says, now, where's the Goliath? He says, who's the Goliath? That cancer that's eating you up. That tumor that's hanging on you. Them cataracts that's on your eyes. It's crippled your arm. Everything looks at it and says it can't be done. The devil says you might as well quit believing. You might as well settle down because you just can't never more get well. Your doctor said so. All the rest of them said so. You can't get well. There's your Goliath. At least there's a few of your Goliaths. But if we step now a little bit different. I think now, there in the fires of hell, the bellows were blowing. The heat was increased in the forges as an affliction is formed. Or I could say as a sword was formed. There in Gath, some blacksmith began to forge a sword. That was going to put so many to death. It was an evil forge with evil and cunning and design. The smith there, as the swordsmith, would start to forge a, uh, a certain equipment or weapon, and they'd hone it to a certain perfection, and they would fold, and they would hammer, and they would, they would beat the, the iron and such down to, to so it could be of certain strength, and they'd, they'd line it, and they'd measure it, and they'd make sure. And Of course, this swordsmith that was now forming this sword, he had, he had a very incredible task, because he was, he was been tasked to make a, a sword that had, had never been made of such before. It was of a behemoth of size, of weight, and here he was now... Been, been asked to craft this, and so he was taking extra time to, 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 to design this. this. The pommel had to be the right counterweight, and the cutting edge needed to be just so sharp as it was required. And of course, I, I can imagine that Goliath himself would walk into the blacksmith shop of Gath and take an inspect and say, how is, that, how is my sword coming along? Because I have much damage to do with that sword, so make sure you take care. And week after week, and week after week, day after day, because a noble sword can take anywhere from one to seven months to come and craft some even even more this wasn't just a, a, a simple little pawn sword this was Goliath's sword and so the blacksmith shop was now forging the right grip the right size a great sword that he was now going to hold Smith would spend so much time now on this, forming it, making sure there was no flaw, of course, because the giant couldn't go into battle and, and hit, hit someone else's sword and there'd be a crack or a flaw or some inclusion in there that would cause it to crack and break. And so he, as, as he went through, there he would have brought it then to, 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 to Goliath, the champion of champions, and present this sword of such of size and ability. And he'd say, here... Here I've done what you've desired. I have formed in the forges of Gath. I have formed in the forges of hell. The very sword that you've desired. Goliath went forth and became a champion. Scripture states that he was a champion. You don't become a champion out of one battle. Goliath took that sword 
And he won battle after battle for the Philistines. He waged war, I can imagine. He was the elite now of their army. And that sword of his and his armor and all of his other instruments had brought such destruction, such hurt, such pain to many. Only God even knows who that was. And I can imagine if we could go into the forges of hell, how many swords uh, that have been contrived, inferiority complexes and complexes of worry and fear as Satan would craft out and ensure, I need to make sure that that cuts so deep to this person here. I need this to be a champion sword, a weapon crafted. I need, my, I need a sword of blindness. I need a sword of deafness. I need, I need a palsy and arthritis. Make sure you form it just perfectly to the design that I've given you. And the forces of hell blasted their smoke Sword after sword were forged in the depths of darkest regions of hell. All out to wage war on you. Who are you? Thank you. And a weapon was formed and went out to try and prosper. Now David comes up, walking up to his brothers, as we've stated, not knowing what he was walking to. That just ahead of him, Goliath now was crying out his defiances. Just for the sake of time, well, David then, of course, agreed. We know the story. I'm not going to go through all those pieces. But David agreed to now take on this giant with just what he had. And we know he had his little bag, a script bag, and so on and so forth. And I just read a quote. And I hadn't really noticed it before. But Abraham's talks as David now goes out there to meet this giant. And he, we know he had five smooth stones. And we know this. And he starts talking about how a, a shepherd would have honey in his bag. About those stones actually getting all welled up with a little bit of honey. I thought, my goodness. Ain't, I just never had read that. And there David was putting in his stones there in his little little bag, you know, and he just, you know, he's thinking about what God, he said, well, I don't really have much. I'm not really a strong little Christian, but he didn't need all he needed, as we know. He just needed a little faith in that bag. Isn't that all you need? He took out one little stone. You can go, I don't care what Goliath you got ahead of you, but one little verse in that Bible of mine has enough power to take down any demon. So all he needed was one stone. In fact, there was some, some, some production put out some David and Goliath film, and they had him reach in his bag, and he threw the stone at Goliath, and he missed. Reached in his bag again, put another stone, threw it at Goliath, and he missed. Put another bag. He went through four stones and said, you're so off scripture. One stone. One verse. That's all it really needed. I am the God that healeth thee. Is that all you need this morning? To put that in your little stone? Oh, and you just say, oh, that gets sweeter. That's because that's a little honey of God's word. It's rolling around. Sweeter as the days go by. And when you need it, put it in that little sling. You know what it did? It stuck to Glyde's head even more. No different now. Here you stand before demons. We stand before many. David came. If I could just pull up the scriptures, you can follow along as we go. David in verse was told he was a dog. Philistine, or Philistine said, Am I a dog? You're such, you know these verses. And David came to. You know, David had not planned this out. Okay? 
This was not a planned out routine. He had not geared up for a duel. He rose to the challenge, though. He rose to the challenge. I don't know what's coming around the corner this year, but Clover, by the way, let's rise to the challenge. I don't know what 24 holds, but all I do know is that time of peace, I'm preparing for war. Because if we're in a war, we're either coming out of a war, we've just been in a war, we're going to go into a war. Whatever it is, the devil is out there. And you might just... And there he is. But David rose, not boastful, but bold. It was a time now others, everybody had forsaken him. His brothers had scorned him. Everybody had left him. His friends, all day, he was all alone. All alone. It might be an all alone battle for you. And here he goes, and David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Oh, I love that. One commentator said, I come to thee by warrant and commission from heaven. <laughs> in the name of the Lord who has called me to and anointed me for this undertaking. Amen. That's what you can pin down to the next enemy that comes your way. I come to thee by the warrant and commission from heaven. David was walking. He knew exactly who he was. If we could just be there this morning, walk out of here knowing exactly who we are, actually not just knowing, but actually acting on it, there would be a little bit of a different week ahead of you. I can tell you that. He said, this day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. Now David was walking without a sword. He didn't even have a sword on him, but he was speaking it into existence there. He said, I'm going to take your head from you and I'm going to give your carcass to the host of the Philistines this day under the fowls of the air that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. This wasn't for David's boldness. Well, I'm going to pop some buttons because I just took Goliath down. It's so that the, all the world will know that you're the God. You'll glorify yourself through me that you're the one that receives the glory. He says, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. He wasn't fighting for him. He was fighting for the whole armies of Israel. He was fighting for his nation. And if I could say it this way, David was ringing the death knell for Goliath. Some of you might not even know what that is, so then I wrote it down. I said, ooh, that's the death knell. You're like, well, what's that, Brother Michael? That's the bells that ring. It used to be in the old English world that the bells would ring, three bells, a passing bell, a death knell, and the funeral toll, or the, the bell that goes after. If someone was passing, they'd ring a bell, the passing. And then when they would pass, they'd ring the second bell. And I can tell you, David was ringing the second bell right there for a giant. Amen? You need to ring the bell for Goliath. You need to be speaking to him. Amen. Speak, speak the word to him. David wasn't bold in his own ability, but he was bold to announce it's the Lord's battle today. Amen. That's what he was saying. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Amen. Let's haste a little bit this year. Amen. Devil's going to come at you. We're going to haste toward him. Amen. He said, and David put his hand in his bag. We said, took the stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and fell upon the face of the earth. That smote, I should say, is in, in the Hebrew is, is to kill. 
And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. Period. He was slewing, that's a word, by the stone, by faith in God's word. Goliath fell down, slown, slewn, and dead. Add those to the dictionary. Amen? But the scripture says there was no sword in the hand of David. Goliath was dead. But David now needed to do, should walk up there, and if I could say it, if he could show proof, because now you had the armies that were looking around. They'd just seen their, their champion fall down dead, but they're from afar. They're like, well, what just happened? Did he, did he just faint? Uh, is he going to get back up? Like, this is abnormal. And David's there in that moment of time pausing. Eh, well, what just happened? And so everything just grows silent. Israel's silent. What just happened? Philistines are saying, what just happened? They're waiting there. But David has spoke a prophecy out. He said, I'm going to take your head off from you. And he there is standing there. And David, then he, when he, Philistines saw, sorry, David ran and stood upon the Philistine because they needed to see proof <laughs> that, the, that the champion was dead. David wasn't going to end it there. So he went up to, the, up to the giant, the scripture says, took his own sword that was forged in the forgeries of Gath and took the sword and hacked off his head. And when the Philistines saw, might that be a little graphic for you, but when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, at this moment, at this moment when the Philistines saw he was dead, why? Because David had then used Goliath's own sword to raise up a testimony that he's dead. You might not have believed it, but my faith killed him when I hit him with a stone, but now I'm going to prove to you and testify to the world. And he hung that head in front of the armies of Israel and the Philistines. And you know what happened when the testimony was brought forth? When the sword of the enemy was used against them. You know what happened? Well, you don't read your Bible. Israel lunged forward. The congregation lurched forward in battle, saying, we're more than able. Why do you think a testimony is so important? Because one person can stand up and say, here's Goliath's head. My faith conquered him through the blood of Christ, but I'm standing here to hold it up as a testimony. And the congregation of Israel then said, all right, if he can do it, let's go. Don't stop at just the faith aspect. Let's hang it out there for the world to see. You know what, though? The reverse destruction didn't end there. Scripture says, no weapon formed against thee will prosper. Goliath had every intention that that battle weapon of his was going to prosper. But there David ran up to that, to that enemy, whacked his head off, Showed the world, this is what my God can do. And you know where that sword went? It went into the tabernacle of the Lord as a victory. As a victory. No more would that weapon ever, ever wage damage on God's elect again. Never. And David presented it there 
and it went into the tabernacle of the Lord. You know how we know that? Is because we know in Scripture we'll go and touch on it. But the sword never went back to the enemy, never to be used again. It went into the presence of the Lord. Satan's weapon, think about it, was no longer in control. Hallelujah. It became an object of victory. That's what your testimony becomes. That's what you become is an object of victory. Hallelujah. In the tabernacle of the Lord. This morning even. And there David now ran. Now, if we skip forward a little bit, David's on the run. David has had some trials, difficulties, and now he's on the run. Just like maybe you might be in a trial and a difficulty this morning. And the devil's got you a little bit running. Situation, a struggle of such. And he is weary. He wasn't in a good spot. He comes to the end of Scripture. And he comes to Ahimelech in 1 Samuel 21. And here under the, he says, Is there not here under thy hand a spear or a sword? I've neither brought a sword nor weapons with me. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, Behold, it's here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take it, take it, for there's no other save that here. And David said, there's none like it. This is Goliath's sword. Don't get confused. I know well, we have the sword of the word. I'm not, this, is, this is a testimony of victory that David had been through. And he's saying there's none like it. He starts to remember back what God did for him. He starts to remember the victory that he had. God saved me from this. He brought me out of the muck and the mire here. He saved me from this. He healed me from that. Whatever that is, he had, it. He had his Goliath moment. That sword had been preserved in the tabernacle as a victory, emblem of victory. And David said, there's none like it. Give it me. <laughs> Amen. Take your victory. Maybe you got to go back in your memory. You're sitting, you're weary, you're torn, but you need to go back in your mind a little bit because there in the tabernacle of the remembrance of God, he's just one to say, but do you remember this? Do you remember this, Goliath? Do you remember this battle you went through where you stood bold and you stood on the face of the body of an enemy and you whacked his head off and showed a testimony to them? That faith is what you need right now. And you start to remember and you take it. Because you got some battles ahead of you. Formed, forged to destroy, had now sat dormant in the tabernacle, had now been regrasped by the warrior that had first taken it and now put it on his side. And that weapon that had been forged against God's people was now going to be drawn back and used as a testimony against the wicked. The purpose, every hammer strike that the smith had put in. If I can go back into the beginning, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals, that bringeth forth the instrument for his work. I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon formed against thee. There the smith hammered, and he toiled, and he put in the flames, and he made a sword. But God created that smith. God allowed that to happen so that David would be able to pull that sword, wage a victory, and then carry that testimony onward in time. Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. 
Can you imagine that David now carried the sword, that the, the people that forged it, and he was now going to lay waste to them? Think about it. He said, well, but Michael, that's just a story. Do you know how many times, as we come to a close, do you know how many times that brother Tom has used the testimony of not being able to have children? I don't even know how many times. And do you know how many times it's instilled faith into somebody who hasn't been able to have children? Many times. No weapon. The sword that the enemy forged used against him. And every time Brother Tom would go, whether he's traveled over this pulpit or traveled, and he'd give the testimony, you'd think, well, that happened so many years ago. Yeah, and David went and grabbed that sword after so many years. It had happened prior, sometime prior, years prior. He took that sword again and lifted it up and said, I'm going to go use this against the enemy now. Think about it. What testimony do you have? Amen, I did that. How about, how about Brother Johnny? I was thinking about you and Brother Daniel. Had babies and then one came, I think it was Daniel first, I can't remember, who said the baby's going to be born with a defect. And then that was, that was then mentioned. It raises up faith. And that same weapon that was put out to come against one family, it then instills faith in another family. And the sword that was raised up to destroy is then, then put back to the enemy and is a waster. How Brother Branham, God put him through a crushing time. And his little baby, little Sharon Rose there with crossed eyes. There, there she was. And he looked at those crossed eyes as he would go through the forming. I tell you, a Goliath was there before him to where the devil himself said, just, just deny God. Why would you even love a God that does this? And he went through all those times. But then after that, there the devil would have used a sword against him. There then after that, he said there wasn't a crossed eyed baby or child or person that would come across him that didn't become healed. Think about that. There the devil that had forged the sword in hell itself. They're trying to say this for certain is going to whack that prophet. <laughs> and in turn, it used to lay waste to the Satan's kingdom time and time and time again till not one cross-eyed ever left unhealed. No weapon. To this very day, Brother Marco and I were in South Africa and sat at a table. I don't have the time to go through all the details, but a young man of about 21 years old had been born with an extreme lazy eye, way off. And he had been born that way, and he'd been teased. And he went through years of teasing. He thought it was normal. I'm just really condensing. But he went through it all the way to just prior to COVID, I think it was, in 20-ish, 19 or so. He was there in bed, and he was reading a message. I believe his faith is the substance. His heart was just so quickened. I'm pretty sure it was on faith. And he was reading about that. And there in his room at about midnight time, something happened to him. He was there. He said, I just felt something come over me. And he looked at his two hands. And his two hands, he looked at them like he'd never looked at them before. For because that one eye that was off like this was right back in center. This God today is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
just by reading the message of the hour. Just by listening to the word preached across the pulpit. Just by being in your Bible in the quietness of your little room. God then took his little eyes and just brought that back to center for him. What could happen this morning? This bride. Scripture says. And they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb. And the word of their testimony. He said, Brother Bram says, and when he does something for us, that's the time to let the glory ring from our hearts. Why? Because I want you to realize that at that moment, as you let the glory ring from your hearts, you are wielding the very sword of the enemy back into the, his, in the dark realms. And you don't even know what you're doing with somebody could be just raising up and saying, oh, I just hear them praising God. What did God do for them? What God can maybe do? What I have need for right here, right now at this moment, I'm going to raise up and also praise. And the sword is winging back and forth. And the no weapon this morning will prosper in the ranks of the of God. Jesus told, or Mary was told, she said, be it unto me. And she was told that she'd be, have a son born of a virgin, Christ. He said the when she began to testify about it, he goes, as soon as a real genuine faith anchors in a person's heart, let them be bound in a wheelchair, blind, whatever it is. They'll tell it. That's right. I'm healed. How do you know you are? Jesus said so, and I believe it. There's no more there. Jesus said so, and I believe it. Why could they be healed as they walked up to the man of Galilee called Jesus Christ? Why? Because they believed he was the Messiah, and he had the power to heal them. Has it changed? No. You could walk up this morning in his presence and say, Lord, here I am. I just believe it. He said, there you are. Oh, I like to throw that in the devil's face. When he stood there at Mayo's clinic, Brother Branham talking about him, he was sick. Group of doctors, they said, Reverend Branham, you're finished. Jesus said, I'll heal you. Hallelujah. I took him at his word. He said, he hates me. Talking about the devil. I know he does. I said, Lord, may the devil hate me this morning. If there's one person I won't mind hating me, that's him. He said, but Christ loves me because he redeemed me. Yeah, I like to push it back in him. Every time I get a chance, but as Jean mentioned this quote on Wednesday, you don't feel any better than you ever felt. When I come out there, I said, oh boy, if you want to hear me praise God, stick around. You'll hear me because I mean to praise him till death and shall, shall set me free. Amen. We need to praise him a little bit, saints. We need to praise him. I think the song on watch night said, praise is our weapon. You bet it is your weapon. It needs to be activated. I wonder if that's been laying dormant a little while. And we need to raise up a little and say, Oh God, glory be to your name this morning. For you are the waster of Satan's kingdom. You created the smith. You created the waster. But there's no sword, no weapon that's formed against me that will ever prosper. Glory be to your name. I can tell you that's what Paul and Silas were doing. Yep. They sat there in a jail. Oh, my goodness. They had had a tough time. They had been put in jail. They said, go and put them in the inner prison and put their hand, their feet in the stocks. And here they are stuck in stocks now. Can you do anything? Nothing. 
You're going nowhere, no how in the stocks. There they were physically, totally, and completely encumbered and useless. Physically. They had walls of iron. Bars. Soldiers around and guards, I'm sure. Of course they were. It was impossible. Here they were in the inner prison. But maybe physically they were useless. But they were not useless because they still had breath in these lungs. You say, well, what's the big deal about breath and lungs, Brother Michael? Well, I can tell you, it was actually a huge sword that got pulled out called praise. Amen. And they started to praise and worship. Amen. Because Paul had been through, and I had it here, Paul had been knocked off his horse and had been transformed by the power of God. There was the Goliath of tradition had been whacked. Put that victory sword in his belt. Paul had been stoned just a little bit before that and had been left for dead. And there the disciples came around him and he rose up as he was, it was, he was looking dead. They thought he was dead. And he raises up and he leaves the city the next day and goes and continues to preach. There was the Goliath of persecution. Fallen. Paul had been with God and seen, uh, had seen God deal with a sorcerer and a false prophet and blind him. There a Goliath of deceit had fallen. He was carrying a few swords of victory with him there. Silas had sure been along his few. I don't have scriptures to exact, but Paul, it says that uh, Paul had been declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among them. And scripture says some things about Silas. They had been and had seen God move in a mighty way. I'm going to ask you this morning, who here has seen God move in a mighty way? All right, so then you have all that Paul and Silas had. Everything that Paul and Silas had, they were drawing back on the victories, on the swords that had been forged against them. They had drawn now on this, and here they were, looking pretty helpless, sitting there in a pair of stocks. They're like this. Tell me what you can do, Tommy, like this. Oh, but they're, glory to God, but our Silas... Praise be to his name. I was on a horse one day and God smote me and there I was thinking I was on my high horse there to go and go against the Christians. But God revealed to me the mighty word that Jesus Christ is the same. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the true and living God. Oh, Silas says, my goodness, Paul, wasn't that a moment? And you know what they started to do? They started to praise. They started to worship. They started to glorify his name. Paul, you were there when you were down. They had stoned you. It looked like you were dead, I know. But the God of glory raised me up and put strength in me. Hallelujah. I feel like praying. Oh yeah. That's what they were doing. Praising him. You know what started to happen? Started to shake. Started to rumble. They said, well, what exactly is that? Just, it's okay. Because we're in exactly the position God has us. We are called. We're elected. We're anointed. And we're placed in this moment. Have no fear, Silas. This is where we'll stay. That prison bars started to shake loose. Them bars started to rattle open. The doors burst open. And there's a song that I wish I could sing. Heaven was coming for a jailbreak. (laughs) My kids know what I'm talking about. Oh my. Can you imagine why? Their praise activated something. Send that up posse. We're going after them. We're breaking them out of jail. What are you in right now? Say, well, I'm about the same place. Well, maybe open your mouth. 
Maybe start to lift and praise a little bit. Give him glory. Give him honor. Say, you've been with me all through the years, Lord. I know you were with me there at this time. You were with me at that time. You healed me here. You healed me there. And I'm now in another moment. I need a jailbreak today, so I'm going to praise you in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon time. Hallelujah. Better have the musicians come. Brother Bram says, well, speaking about Joshua, you know, here's the land. Go and possess it. He says, why, didn't you just, why didn't God just go and take all the Philistines out? You know, clean them all up for me. He said, I'd say, come on, you got to do something too. God don't just poke things down your neck. He says, you got to believe it and you got to do some fighting. Peter Cartwright, he said that old drunkard came that day he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm having a meeting. He said, who told you? The Lord. Well, you got to whip me first. <laughs> can you imagine that? I really actually can't. Uh, I can't even imagine him cleaning up, cleaning up the little place or whatever he was doing there. He's saying, well, I'm going to have a meeting. We're going to have church into some hall. Who do you think you are? Who told you? Well, the Lord told me. You know, if someone says the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to do this, I say, you do what you feel the Lord told you to do. I'm not going to step in your way. Well, you got to get through me first. Who are you? <laughs> That's just the devil. Can you just put him in his place? Well, I'm walking because the Lord has t- spoke to me, and this is the direction that he's leading me. And, he's, and I, I'm led by the Spirit of God because I'm a son and daughter of God. We're led by the Spirit of God, and I'm going, and the devil's like, where do you think you're going? Well, I'm just walking by faith in Jesus above. No, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Who do you think you are? God is leading me. Well, then guess what he had to do? He had to get his fists up, didn't he? He whooped him. He whooped him sound. He said, he, next day, he goes, he done, undone his coat, beat him. My goodness, beat up the guy. He said, you got enough? Yep. <laughs> At least he had enough sense. <laughs> pow, 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 pow. You had enough? Yep. Oh, good man. Wow. <laughs> Shook his hand. Because you can be angry and sin not. That's what the scripture says. So it's possible. Shook his hand. And he said he led him, <laughs> and he got saved. That's incredible. He said, Brother Brown says, you got to do some fighting. Not with your fists, but with the power of God, with your testimony. There it is. That's how you overcome. By the blood of the Lamb and your testimony. Tell the devil he got no strings tied to you. You put this disease on me, but Jesus Christ delivered me from it. He promised it to me. Amen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Can we praise him this morning? We surely can. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Amen. I was thinking even this morning, actually on the, while I was studying. Four years ago, this weekend, a man of God was told he had cancer. And that he had but maybe not even six months to live. Even less, I think it was. Six months or less to live. Four years ago. That man, Brother Ron Spencer, is still standing. Glory be to his holy name. Hallelujah. I can tell you the sword 
that went out to try and kill him. But as Brother, Brother Ron said, the Lord spoke to him and said, if you can just trust me, I think it was, I'll do more than you've ever done or use you more than I ever had. And here he is today, four years to the day. I say, devil, no weapon shall prosper because why he's the creator my god's the creator of the smith my god's the creator of the waster and he can't do nothing lest god allows it hallelujah i pray this morning we walk out of here i don't know what 2024 has but i pray that we can testify of the goodness of god let's send the armies by our testimony, send the armies of the living God against the armies of hell. Because that's what it did as David held that head up. But Abraham says, they don't want old-fashioned gospel handed out. But I put in brackets, but we do. <laughs> in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. He says, we need a testimony meeting, a great thing to happen. We need a prayer meeting. He said, Lord, it's happening tomorrow night. We need a digging down, tearing up. It's true. We need Christ in our midst. Know the Bible. I said, Lord, that's what we desire. That's what we believe. And that's what we're going forward on in 2024. And may, in David's hand, may you need, maybe you need to pull out this morning the remembrance of the victory that God has given you in your past, a proof of some past victory, because there's many battles ahead of you. There's many different circumstances and trials ahead of you, but I can tell you the same God that put Goliath under your feet is the same God that'll bring you through wherever you are right now. And at that moment, when David held the head up and had used the sword of Goliath against him, the forges of hell silent in May 2024 as you ring your testimony and put in front of the enemy what God has done for you may for a moment the forges of hell go silent who are these people who is this one that just took down our champion how did he just do that no one has ever stood against the sword like that what is he anointed with? This is somebody different. And the forges went quiet. And may hell go silent as the bride of Jesus Christ here in Clover Baba Way. As we start this year in 2024. May hell wonder, who is this people? Who are these ones that have put down Goliath? Who have silenced the sword of the enemy? What are they going to do now? They're going to step forward in who they are. It's the devil. I actually just took a step out. I know who I am today. And I'm accepting my position as conqueror. Magnify the Lord. Let's sing magnify the Lord with me. I felt that was appropriate as we spoke on David. Because that's Psalms 34. Come magnify the Lord with me. Amen. I sought the Lord and he answered me. David knew exactly who his God was. Let's sing that this morning. Brother Joe. Thank you. Sing it nice and clear. I sought the Lord.
Hallelujah. Glory be your name this morning, Lord. We magnify your name. We give you time in this service, Lord. Lord, allow our hearts just praise you and adore you and worship you. Lord, we would not allow a service like this go by without our mouths to open and our hearts to lift up. Oh, God is David, so many songs. Oh, that he wrote, I wrote here this morning, saints. I will praise the Lord, oh Lord, my whole heart. I'll show thee forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, oh thou most high. When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice. O Lord, my God, thou hast I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Hallelujah. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalms 34, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. Glory be your name, Lord. Your word is so good, Lord. May 2024, oh God, be a year of praise for us. Year, oh God, that we can step, Lord, maybe just a little bit more. Lord, accepting who we are. We know, but we accept it, Lord. Lord, that your enemy, oh God, nothing can stand before. Lord, your scripture says, if God before us, who can be against us? May this year be, oh God, could it be that, Lord, that little counter down is just a few souls away from rapture? Could we be that close this morning, Lord? Lord, could another soul have been won this day? Lord, somewhere around the world, maybe. Lord, some soul in Uganda, Lord, has brought the counter down closer to rapture, maybe. Lord, it's just a month off. Maybe 2024, February, it's rapture cycle. The end of, a, of the cycle, Lord, where we will be captured and taken away. Lord, that's what we live for. Hallelujah. May it be a little more real this morning to your people, Lord, in some little way. Move, Lord Jesus. Give you the service, Lord. Let your people dwell in your presence now. This is your day, Lord. Would you, Lord, just come infuse us with your presence throughout the day, not just here in the sanctuary, but, Lord, as we walk away from here at our lunches and in our evening times, you'd be near us, Lord. Maybe somebody, Lord, in the quietness of the room just needs to shout out, Lord, as you over, overcome them all, magnify them, Lord. Goodness, mercies are so good to me. So, Lord, I give to your people, commit this message to you now. In Jesus Christ, holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. the battle is the Lord's. That's the verse. I saw it the wrong. There is a soul. Amen. We'll sing this as we go. In 
time. That's what David cried out, the battle is the Lord's. Oh, that brings me peace. Oh, in every trial. May God be with you this week until we meet on Wednesday.